Good morning, Sanctuary. My name is Edrin, senior pastor here at the Sanctuary Covenant Church. And it is, it is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve this congregation. Um, as Samia sang, uh, that song reminded me of prayers that Sanctuary's leadership from Pastor Ephraim down through Pastor Dennis had been praying for years and years and years. We had been praying from the very beginning, since 2003, when Sanctuary was just a dream for a place that we could call home, a place that we could call our own where we could serve this community. And Sanctuary met in schools since 2003 all over this neighborhood, but we always had a prayer that God would give us a place that we could call our own. And a part of that prayer was, Lord, put us in a place where we could serve this community. Put us in a place where we would not be irrelevant to this community, but we could actually serve the needs of this community. And God put us in this place on the corner, the busiest corner in North Minneapolis. That's where we're located. Aldrich and Broadway is the busiest corner traffic-wise in all of our neighborhood. Just think about that. that this spot is set empty for, for 20 years almost. People always talk about White Castle as if it was here last week. That was almost 20 years ago. God gave us this place. And now we are in the heart of North Minneapolis. And a part of what it means to be in the heart of a community is that we get all of North Minneapolis. The good and the bad. Last night, I got a message from Tara. Our staff did say, hey, did you guys look at the cameras? There are police cars all around the church. A young man was shot in the head right on the corner here last night. And he lost his life this morning. We are in the heart of it, Sanctuary Covenant Church. And a young man, an image bearer, someone made in the image of God, lost his life at the hand of another image bearer last night. And so when you see us on stage sweating and singing and making all that fuss, it's not just because we were trying to put on some kind of show. It's because this gospel that we speak has real life implications. And people are literally losing their lives all around us. And God is calling us to join in the work of ministry and reconciliation right here on this corner and has given us this spot to do ministry. And so I want to pray this morning for the young man who lost his life for his family. I want to pray for the families affected by violence day in and day out. I want to pray that God would enlarge our territory, give us more of a place of authority to do ministry in this, in this place. And I'm praying for your confidence as well, that you would not just see yourselves as consumers, as an audience, but that you would see yourselves as the hand and feet of Jesus. You would grow in your willingness to do something with this good news that you receive each and every week. I heard a friend this week say that church on Sunday is like the huddle, and Christians love being in the huddle. Like we come together and we hear the play and we get the encouragement from the coach, and then we just stay in the huddle. But I believe the Spirit of God is calling us today to say break and to go out and actually run the play that God is giving us. Vikings fans, you know what I'm talking about. Let's pray for the Vikings as well. So I want to pray this morning before Tara leads us in this word. Lord Jesus, we need you. 
We stand in need of your presence, God. Lord, we stand on the shoulders of many who have prayed for many, many years that you would show your glory here in North Minneapolis, that you would bless in this community, that you would tear down strongholds in this community. And God, you have promised us that you will. And we hold on to that promise today. And even in the midst of discouraging things that we see and in the midst of brokenness that seems at time to overwhelm us, we believe, God, that you are good and that you will honor your promise. And so I pray today for the Sanctuary Covenant Church that we would be your people and that you would continue to be our God. I pray, Father, that you would give us just a a, a clear vision of what you're doing in this community and how you would have us to join you there. God, I pray for fathers and mothers who've lost sons and daughters to violence. I pray for families who for generations have been caught up in drugs and in gangs and other things that seek to steal our life. And I pray, God, that your gospel, the good news that you give us, that it would go forward in ways that people would be able to grab it and run with it, that lives would be changed, that strongholds would be, would be broken, that, 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 that lives would be transformed in new and fresh ways. God, we trust in you because you are all that we have. And so we put our hope in you above government, above our own efforts, above our intellect, above our own resources. God, we trust in you. God, I look with expectation toward what you'll do in this community. Help us, the sanctuary, to join hand with other churches and other organizations who are doing good work. May we be your people together. God, tear down the territorial behavior that keeps us from working together. God, I pray that in the way you've been faithful in previous generations, you would be faithful again. Let us see it, God. Help us to see your faithfulness. This is our prayer. We cry out to you, have mercy on us, Father. We pray these things in the perfect name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning, sanctuary. It's good to be with you all this morning. Again, my name is Tara Hollingsworth, and I have the absolute privilege and honor of working with our students here, middle school and high school. Um, We call that Ministry Mosaic, and um, I'm grateful to be here. Right now, we're in a series called Road Trip, and it's been a good series so far, right? We've been talking about discipleship and the parallels between a road trip and and discipleship, the discipleship journey and process. So I'm excited to get into it this morning. This morning, we will be tackling the question of, are we there yet? And I believe that it's fitting for this morning, considering the things that we have been talking about already this morning, the things that Pastor Edron has shared, um, and the way that the worship team led us in worship this morning. It's a, it's a real question, and it's something that I do believe that many of us are asking this morning, that question of, are we there yet? So I know we've spent a lot of time in prayer, but I'm going to ask us to bow our heads one more time as we um, just pray over this message this morning. Jesus, we acknowledge your presence in this room. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here with us. God, I ask that as this message goes forth, it would fall on fertile ground, that it would um, produce a harvest in due season. Father, we know that you call the ones who are speaking to speak. We we know that you are the one who um, 
causes those to hear, we know that you are the one who causes people to see. So God, we ask that we would see you clearly this morning, that we would hear you, Jesus. God, I ask that you would help me to be clear. God, I pray that your word would go forth this morning. God, we ask that your will would be done above all else. Speak through me and use me, Holy Spirit. We are truly humbled before you to be in your presence. That you, Jesus, would choose to dwell with us. That you would choose to call us and mobilize us and use us for your purposes. We are humbled and we are grateful this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this question, are we there yet? I'd like to propose that this question usually doesn't happen without being prompted, right? This question of are we there yet has tons of implications. And I would like to say that this question of are we there yet may be the most passive, aggressive question I have ever heard. Because you don't say are we there yet without meaning something else. You don't just say it. You say it because you were prompted by something that's occurred. You're like, are we there yet? Something happens in a road trip and you're like, man, are we there yet? Like, that's just the question I want to know. How, how much longer do I have to do this is really what we're asking. So it is definitely a passive-aggressive question because it, it, you really mean something else. So just say what you mean to say, right? Are we, are we tired of that? Say what you got to say, okay? But maybe you're like me and you love road trips. Who loves road trips in here? Yes, some of us. <laughs> so maybe you're like me. And a, a couple of reasons why I love road trips is a few reasons. And the first reason that I love road trips is because there's hours and hours of talking. I like talking. I like to, but I like to listen to, I like to talk and I like to listen. The whole conversation thing, like you could just sit there and have a conversation with me for hours. I'm, I'm here for it. So the hours of talking, I love it. Also, you're surrounded by people for hours and there's nothing you can do about it. That is a dream to me. You just get to be surrounded by people in the front, in the back, on the side of you, everything. Introverts, take the stress out of your shoulders, okay? Relax, breathe, it's okay. But I, I love that. I absolutely love that. I like that you can share so many things. You can share stories together about childhood experiences, funny stories, sad stories, all the things. I am here for a good story. If you have a story that no one will listen to, tell me. I will listen to your story. You can share songs, your favorite songs, songs that you think nobody else likes. Play it for me because I want to know a little bit more about you. So, yes, you can share stories, you can share songs, and you can share, like, horrible, fatty snacks. I'm so here for that. I'm trying to try all your snacks. I am the person who feels entitled to your food. So I will definitely like take some of yours and say thank you, right? That's just kind of who I am. Um, also, another part of the reason why I like road trips is because you have an excuse to do nothing. Like you don't have to do anything, you can just sit. You just sit there and just sit. It, and then you, are, you don't feel bad for not doing anything. So recently we just took some of our students to camp and it was a very long road trip. 10 hours there, 10 hours back. I was whipping that 15 passenger van though. So it was a very long road trip and we decided on the way back that we were gonna make up a little game because that's what you do on road trips. You make up games that wouldn't work anywhere else. So we were in the middle of sharing our favorite songs and there's a, a particular artist named Yeba. Has anyone heard of her? She's so dope, right? That, I'm saying, she's so dope. So she has like the craziest run. So we are like in the middle of showing each other our favorite runs of all these songs. So we're like Jasmine Sullivan, we pointing that out there, Brandy, Kiki Sheard, all the artists who just can run. I'm not gonna act it out, but they can do it. So we made up this game. 
We're gonna play a song with some crazy runs. At any point in the song, you stop the music and the person next to you has to do that same run. You just try it, just try it. So since I love y'all, I brought y'all a little snippet of this game. And so I'm gonna go ahead and ask you guys to cue that video up. Now, Kat, now that we know, where's Tamiya at? You lucky Tamiya ain't in here. But look, we were not ready. Kat just came here, it was like, oh, nothing, easy. Like, okay, here we go. So we learned something about Kat that day. But, but in all, the, the road trip really was a great time. We had a lot of fun and we learned each other's talents, which I truly do appreciate. Um, but maybe some of us hate road trips in here. Maybe some of you, like, even just hearing me talk about it, you're just like, no, take the flight. Take the flight. Two hours. Some people exchange money for time, right? Like, just take the flight. And maybe you say that because there's either something in the car that's made you uncomfortable or even worse, someone. Because when people make you uncomfortable in a car, there's just nothing you could do about it. You just have to sit there and suffer. So maybe it's either something or someone that's made you uncomfortable we also know that different people have different preferences. So if you're freezing and someone is like blasting the air conditioning, you know, there's, if they're driving, you just kind of have to sit there and just be okay. If they're playing country music, you just kind of have to sit there and be okay. Just take the L, right? <laughs> Unless it's Old Town Road, because we're here for that one. But we have different preferences. Different people want to do different things at different times. My biggest pet peeve is when we are on a stride. We have been on this road for hours, and I, like, the driver is just ready to keep going. And what's, what is something that somebody says? Got to use the bathroom. Now, when I was growing up, there was no bathroom breaks. You get, it is no, it, you don't just get a singular bathroom break. You eat and go to the bathroom. There's nothing else, okay? So when it's time to eat is the time to go to the bathroom. But when you're with students, that just doesn't happen. Just be prepared to stop every hour. And then the last reason why some of us may hate road trips is because there are less than ideal sleeping positions. You kind of have to like work things out to make it work. Like maybe you brought a pillow, maybe you didn't, you use your neighbor, whatever you have to do, it's really hard to find a way to sleep when you're very tired. So I have another video for you guys. And this video is a real true interpretation of one of our mosaic leaders truly trying to sleep. So take a look. <laughs> so the guy in that video is named Christian. He is a new Mosaic leader. That was his first youth group experience. <laughs> but it was on that trip that he got the well-earned name of Uncle Christian. Okay, so he is now Uncle Christian, and he endured a lot. So we're, we're grateful for him. Um, but it's just, it's just wild, the kind of things that we see on road trips. Some of us love them. Some of us hate them. Um, but just a little plug here. If you do want to be a mosaic leader, I mean, who would not want to do that, right? Come see me afterwards. But the reason why we go through this road trip series is we like to see these parallels of discipleship. 
we like to see how um, you can understand discipleship by looking at road trips. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable at some times. Yes, you're going to be tired. You're just going to want to give up. There's going to be some times where you just want to get out of the car. But Sanctuary, this morning, I want to implore us to stay in the car. I want us to truly take a look at our discipleship journey and understand the things that are starting to make us uncomfortable, the things that are starting to make us question, is it really worth it? And I want to implore us this morning to stay in the car. So as we look to scripture this morning, we know that even Jesus, being the son of God, even Jesus had very tough days in discipleship. So I want to show us this morning is, in my opinion, what was the absolute worst day in discipleship history. So if you think that you've had it bad in your journey to discipleship, if you think there's been some things that are really making you want to get out of the car, I want to direct us to the absolute worst day in discipleship history. Let's look at Mark chapter 14, verses 32 and 43. And I'll go ahead and read that for us. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, Sanctuary, I don't know the things that you've been through. I don't know many of you. I don't know your life stories yet in this room. But what I do know is that there is nothing, there is no feeling like truly feeling betrayed. That betrayal could come from a parent. That betrayal could come from a significant other. It can come from a friend. It can come from a child. No matter what it is, there is truly no feeling like feeling deeply betrayed by someone that you trusted, by someone that you love. And I know that this morning, even being betrayed by someone in the household of faith may even be worse because we have such standards with each other. We have such hope in this body of Christ. So when we are betrayed by someone in the faith, it just stings a little bit different. There's just kind of a, a different type of hurt. And now when I look at Jesus in this moment, I never like to think that Jesus needed anybody. I mean, he's God, right? So to think that, that Jesus, that God needs anyone is just a very strange thing to me to even consider. But I believe in that moment, no matter what you believe, I think that Jesus needed his friends. I think that Jesus needed them to keep watch, to pray, to be with him in that moment. And they couldn't do it. They weren't there. And so we have a high priest who can empathize, who can understand that sometimes in those deepest times of need, where we truly need these, this community, we need this body of believers, we need people to look out for us, sometimes they're not there. Sometimes even the body of Christ is not there for you. Just like these disciples. We experience so much hurt within these four walls. 
Within the church, there's so much hurt. There's hurt by pastors. There's hurt by friends. There's hurt by other people who are disciples of Christ. There is serious and legitimate hurt there. And Jesus experienced that at that time. So we do have a high priest who can empathize with us in our weakness. And I do believe that this is a reason why some of us abandon the faith. It's because we have so much hurt by Christians in our life. Now, I want to bring us back to um, verse 32, where it says they went to a place called Gethsemane. Now, that word Gethsemane is a place that actually means oil press. So at that place, there was olives that were being pressed there to create olive oil. And so I find this so interesting because when you look at what that means, oil press, when you look at olives actually being pressed down to make oil, what happens in that process is that those olives are pressed so hard They're crushed so intensely. They're squeezed so tightly that a pure oil will come out afterwards. And in that moment, if the oil was not pure enough, it would go through another refining process. This morning, I want to help us to understand that sometimes in that crushing place, sometimes in that place of pressing, in that place of betrayal, that God is truly creating a pure and true anointing out of us. In that moment where you are being pressed, it says in the Bible that Jesus was stressed to the point of sweating blood. In that moment where we experience such a crushing, such a pressing, God is truly producing a pure and refined anointing out of us. And that process is necessary. This morning we sang the song, New Wine. We sang that song, in the, in the crushing and the pressing, you're making new wine. You're making me whatever it is that you want me to be. Sanctuary, this morning, I want to implore you to stay in the car. There's going to be those times where it seems like it's too hard. It seems like it's too tough. But the moment that our faith is actually on Christ and not Christians, that is the moment that we can endure. I know that our hurt and that our betrayal is legitimate. And I, and I truly understand that. And I, I empathize and I feel and I know that we've all been there but maybe that betrayal can be used for God's glory. In that moment, the father wasn't wasn't sleeping. The father was listening. The father was with Jesus in that moment. So in those moments where people have betrayed you, people have walked away, the father is not walking away from you. And that is the firm foundation that we stand on. We stand on Jesus. We don't stand on people. Let's go to Mark 14, 43 through 50. This is also part of the absolute worst day in discipleship history. Verse 43 says, Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The man seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the serpent of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Something that we can understand this morning is that Judas being one of the disciples of Jesus, though he betrayed him, Jesus spent a lot of time with Judas. Jesus served Judas. Jesus fed Judas. 
He walked with him. He journeyed with him. He ventured with him. He spent so much time. And I believe that some of us can empathize with that in this room. There are some times that we have spent so much time with people. We've invited them into our homes. We've served people. We've given them of, our, of ourselves. Maybe we've given them our money. We've given them time. We've given them our talents, our treasures. We've given so much. But sometimes in this walk, there is no reciprocity, and we have to be okay with that. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Jesus is God. He knew it. He created him. He knew that, that Judas was going to betray him, but he did not withhold serving him. He did not withhold loving him. He still walked day to day with Judas, knowing that he would betray him. There are some times in our lives where we will serve, we will give up everything we have, and there may not be reciprocity in that situation. We may not get everything back that we put in. Are you okay with that this morning? Are you okay with knowing that sometimes you will give more? You will be the one who does love more. You will be the one who does serve more. You will be the one who gives more. And Jesus in that moment understood that. I want to share a story with you guys. This was a few years ago. Um, in North Minneapolis, I was on a walk with some friends. And we were um, walking around, I think, like the Lindell area. And there was a big hill. And if you know me, you know, like, I'm, I'm okay with working out, but I don't want to do incline ever. Um, incline is just not for me. I don't like hills. I just don't see the point. I will go longer, not higher. Like, just, no. So one of my friends who is into that stuff was like, oh, we should go up the hill. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So we go up the hill, and there's a man there. It's about maybe 8.39 in the morning, and he's just sitting. So my friends went over to him and were like, hey, what's your name? We're so-and-so, all that kind of stuff. So we do begin to talk to this man, and we start to hear a little bit about his story. This man shares with us about the religion that he's a part of. And the religion that he was a part of, he, he described it as Satanism. And at that moment, he began to educate us on his religion. He showed us tattoos. He showed us um, signs. He showed us, like, paraphernalia that he had that ascribed him to this religion. And he began to tell us about it. Um, and so later on in the conversation, he found out that we were Christians. At that moment, he expressed some questions that he had about Christianity, um, some disbeliefs that he had, but he did acknowledge Jesus, though. And so in that moment, he began to tell us more, and he explained to us some plans that he had that, let me just say, were not, um, it, it would not be good if he continued on with those plans. So he told us, you guys as Christians, I have, there's one flaw that I just cannot seem to get over. And if, if I tell you this, I'm pretty sure that you will abandon your faith. He goes, because this is something that people just can't handle. And he goes, me and my religion, we know this and we acknowledge this. We're okay with this. You guys as Christians, you can't be okay with this. And he said, I, can, I, I feel like I can break up any relationship where there's some type of mutual love. And, and it's with this. And he goes, do you want to know? And I said, sure, try me. And he was like, no, I know you guys care about your faith. I don't want to tell you. I know you care about your significant others. I don't want to tell you because this truly might be the thing that ruins it for you. I said, try me, brother. So he goes, the moment in your faith, the moment in your relationship where you find out who loves who more, the relationship is over. The moment in your faith where you realize that you love people so much more than they will ever love you, your faith is gone. I said, well, you, you must truly not know who Jesus is. Because Jesus calls us to be sacrificial the way that he was. 
a life with Jesus suggests that there will be times where we do love more, where we do give more, we serve more, and we can be okay with that because of the love that Jesus shows us. We love people because we love God. We love people because Jesus loves them, not because we're just these great, incredible people. Loving people is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So being in communion with the Holy Spirit enables us to love people better. It's because of Jesus inside of us that we can love, that we can be okay with that, that we can be so consumed with the love of Jesus that if someone in our life's love does come up a little bit short, we can be filled with the love of Jesus. In this walk, we can truly love without expectancy. And though it's hard, I believe that Jesus understands more than anyone. We're going to talk about one more thing that contributes to the worst day in discipleship history. And that is from Mark 14, verses 66 through 72. Let's read it together. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls on the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You were also with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went on into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them. I do not know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. Peter broke down and wept. I believe at that moment, Peter had decided that he needed out. He needed to get out of the car. This walk of discipleship was a little bit too much for him. It was getting a little bit too scary. It was getting a little bit too hard. And he decided, I, I can't do this. I have to deny this faith. I have to deny the things that I've seen because of how frightening it is, because something just isn't seeming to add up. How can Jesus, who we are seeing as God, how can the Son of God be taken away? Is everything that I've ever believed a lie? And I believe there's something happening in, in the faith right now. There's something happening where people are beginning to question whether Jesus is truly who he said he was whether the church is really what it's supposed to be. And they're saying, you know what, I don't know if I can do this. And making public declarations of denial against the Holy Spirit and against Jesus. Because sometimes it gets a little bit too hard. And, you know, sometimes we can, we can look at this scripture and we can be disgusted with Peter. How could you? You were faithful. You walked with him. You saw miracles. You saw all these things that had been done. But, you know, sanctuary, sometimes we'll see it and sometimes we'll be it. There's times where statistics show that there are times where we go and we, we question, is this the truth? Is this real? And Peter had that moment of, can I, can I really do this? Can I really stay in this car? It's, it's, it's very uncomfortable. I'm tired. It's scary. I have so many questions. There's so many things that, I, that just can't be answered. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Sanctuary, I implore you this morning to stay in the car. And the reason that we can do that is because we know who the driver is. And we know that if we follow the life of Jesus, if we follow him, he will never lead us astray. I, our foundation has to be on Christ, not on Christians. We are imperfect. We will struggle. We will fall. And in this discipleship journey, we will make mistakes. Family, we will hurt each other. But if we continue to look to Christ 
if we continue to stay and to remain and to abide in the truth that is Jesus Christ, it will be worth it in the end. I know that our hurts are legitimate. I know that our questions are real. And I know that we have to keep discussing things. We have to keep um, answering things. We have to keep studying and we have to keep going deeper. But in that, I want to encourage this morning, don't give up. Don't give up on your time with God. Don't give up on studying the word. Don't give up on your time with prayer. I know there's things that we pray about and we have not seen an answer yet. And I am with you. There are things that I have been praying about for years and I have not seen an answer. There is a specific prayer I have been praying for 10 years and I haven't seen it answered yet. But I believe that the more I keep praying, I do believe, like Tamia spoke about this morning, I believe that I will see a breakthrough. I believe that I will see a miracle. Because my foundation's on Christ. And I know that he will never leave me. I know that he will never forsake me. If he was gonna leave me, he would have done it a long time ago. But that's not who he is. He is a good God sanctuary. I don't want us to forsake spending time together in this community, though it can be tough. Anytime you spend time with people, it can get messy. Anytime you go in relationship deeper, it can get messy. But don't forsake this time together. Don't forsake getting to know people of the faith. We need each other. If you were on a road trip and nobody was talking, nobody was, was communicating, that would be a very strange and awkward trip. Let's get to know each other better and lean on each other. We need each other. So this morning, I'm aware that some of us have either gotten out of the car or we're thinking about it. We'll use this as God trying to tell you, keep going. Because we're going somewhere. We're not going nowhere. We're going somewhere. There is a plan in this road trip. And the destination is more beautiful than anything we could ever imagine. It'll be worth it. And that is the hope that we cling on to. I'm aware that it will be tough but I also know that we do have a high priest who can empathize with us in our weakness. He's been there. He's been through the betrayal. He's been through the tough moments. He experienced the absolute worst day in discipleship history, spending all that time with him just for betrayal. Sanctuary this morning, I wanna implore us to stay in the car. I wanna implore us to stay in that moment of crushing and pressing because in that moment, he is truly bringing something new out of us.